This podcast is a part of a special series of episodes dedicated to my debut album, Temple Calling, an album for your altar. 13 songs, 13 muses, a thousand sacred stories to resonate with you and with me. My intention for this album is to break your heart open to the truth of who you are. And this podcast series is an epic celebration of the women who inspired this dream come true. And you're a part of that dream now too. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome back to the Genius Portal podcast. We are recording for the Temple Calling series today and I'm joined by my friend Rebecca and Beck is, well in the Temple Calling series she's been a muse for Ankara which has been so fun and like this dream to see my character turned into a real life person which is not really what happened we dressed up as her but it's been really really cool and really it was really cool with the photo shoot and particularly with the muses who weren't necessarily based off or the songs that weren't necessarily based off other women's creations just leaning into spirit and asking who represents this like who who is this? Who's the best embodiment of this in my life? And you were the only person that came through for Ankara. And the moment you came through, it was like a lightning bolt hit me. And I was like, of course, how have I not seen that before? It was really, it was really, really cool. Um, So it's been really cool experiencing that and seeing you in that light and yeah, feeling like Ankara has come to life in a whole different way, which has been magic. But also, for the sake of you guys who maybe don't know Beck, who likely don't know Beck because she's not been here with us before, um, Beck is a really grounded, creative, magical woman. She's a woman that really resonates with the magic of the womb, the magic of nature, and connecting with the earth and relating powerfully. And we've actually had a pretty like in terms of time short friendship like we haven't known each other or spent quality time together for for that long for less than a year but it feels so easy and natural to spend time with you because you have this resonance of of debt and I feel like we share this value of reverence and ritual and love of real authentic connection in our lives and so it just feels easy to laugh and be like playful and silly and participate in the cosmic joke a little bit but also it feels really easy to drop into ritual and connect in a ritual space and connect to a greater depth and a really like natural authenticity so I'm really excited to talk to you today really excited to have you here and to pop your podcast Cherry so yeah do you want to say hi (laughs) hi everyone uh yeah as Ali said my name is Rebecca um and I'm really really excited to be here yeah cool 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 okay so I'm gonna start in the obvious place to start and ask you about Ankara um, and your experience because my experience is so different like I've had this song for years I've been writing these books for a few years I've been connecting with it for a, a longer while um whereas for you it was just kind of like a couple of weeks ago a few days before the photo shoot I was like hey doing this thing how do you feel about dressing up with me um it's not so much how I put it but yeah I feel like it's been like a smaller more condensed explosive relationship for you so I'd love to hear from your experience what was that like or even if you want to rewind to um the book and reading it and I read the first one yeah what's what's alive for you there yeah so for me um, going back to the first book I didn't have any expectations but I wasn't aware of what your book was about really either um, when I when I got them and so reading the first one I, I really found myself like on the journey with Ankara and um, yeah I think I was from a place of understanding that even though it's a character book it's, 
it's so real and um, you can relate to it and it's and it's such an initiation um, and I was like right there with it kind of thing so yeah I think from that point of view I felt like I already knew it anyway um, and then when you asked me to be Ankara in, in the album shoot it was kind of naturally the next step it felt very natural even though I was like very nervous and very honoured um, I kind of I, it felt so just right and um, I connected quite deeply with her quite quickly like I already had obviously like an awareness of who she was from reading the book and I already felt a connection with her anyway um, but yeah when I got to to be and create a space to actually embody her and express her that was really really exciting and um parts of me felt like really nervous like this is going to be right and and there was definitely a part of me that wanted to equally connect with your vision of what you wanted for her and how you saw her and connect with with my vision and obviously also Ankara and her spirit and her essence um so it was so much fun and it really did feel like this natural extension of, of me yeah so cool and you absolutely nailed it like I couldn't I feel like I couldn't have planned what she would have looked like any better or figured it out you know like logically when you create something there's like a tendency to want to figure it out or want to like draw a map for it or want to have how figured out and I didn't have that for a lot of the characters actually for a lot of the women for a lot of the different spaces I would have like a like an idea of the theme or an idea of well these are the branding colors for that space so maybe start there or you know the mermaid was like okay so that obviously with a mermaid certain visual images come to mind it was like a bit more direct but yeah and Kara was like I don't even in the books describe her outfits that much like it's not really there isn't a direct link it's very much a connect and create it I'd love to hear yeah how did you how did you figure out what you were gonna wear ridiculous like ridiculously good um honestly like it was it was such a just a download I guess like to a point there was um definitely a part of me that was like okay this is going to be like obviously you'd give me the guidance of like Cleopatra cross with kind of Tomb Raider sort of vibes and then um I went okay it's going to be like that really warrior goddess so like really that heart-led feminine but really fully in her warrior um and yeah and, and that's what came through and I think like even to the point of my hair like doing my hair the day before and, and like my hairdresser I just shared the vision and I shared and I showed her my outfit and I said what do you think this is what I have in mind and she said that sounds amazing but let's just like tweak this and this like even to the point of it just all fell so beautifully and so perfectly and I think because I got out of the way and surrendered I had had such a vision and I went this is really what I feel but I'm going to surrender and like see what comes of it and then literally like the right dress just kind of came across my path and, um, and Tom got really invested in it as well so that was beautiful and um, and it just literally fell together after the head of vision I was like this is what I want um, and it just birthed itself to be honest like I had the space for it yeah, so cool. Tom's ex partner, by the way, everybody. And um, also a dear friend. I'd love to have him on the podcast at some point as well. Um, he wasn't one of the women in the demographic, <laughs> but you know, maybe he's a brotherhood edition and he would be excellent. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's so, I think it's so powerful and such an incredible skill to have you're creating something and you have a vision to allow the people that are collaborating with you on that vision to be in that genius and it's something that I've really learned um, especially with like creating a look for a day like I've done that a few times now for different branding shoots and stuff and it's just not my genius like I might 
I'll find a great dress or I'll find a great outfit like for myself or not. Sometimes I've come to photo shoots and just been like, I just get the feeling that you've got something and they've had something for me. Like, And so that's been fortunate <laughs> or just connected, you know. But I always have this sense of, I even do it when I get my hair cut normally, like not for anything. I'll just be like, what do you think? Like my end result is that my hair's healthy. Yeah. I like it to be long, but I just want to be healthy. So if being healthy is chop this much off, chop it. If being healthy is chop this much off, maybe chop a bit more so that I don't have to look after it as much, you know, grow so fast. But I lean on their genius. And I think when you're creating something like this and it's so collaborative and we are in that real feminine, chaotic force, I mean, even being here the morning of my makeup started at 4.15 and then everyone decided to come into the house and it was just, it got more and more chaotic but it all went together so seamlessly because everyone just had their own vision and their own mission within their own look and also leaning on each other where the gaps were and I think doing that, like the makeup artist was here and she was incredible. Hey? Yeah, she was amazing. Absolutely incredible. Um, she was meant to do like three, three phases no, two full phases, one set of eyes and my hair. And she did like six faces wow. plus my hair plus a couple of people's eyes, like nuts. Um, wow. So she was incredible. I'd love to have Amy on here. That would be really yeah, fun, actually. It's really cool. But, yeah, everyone should ask me, like, oh, what colour lips do you want or what colour this? And I'm like, this is what I'm wearing. This is your genius. Like, do me. Yeah. Like, this is your gift. Even with my hair, like, I had this, like, Victorian thing. I sent her a couple of things on google images and i was like this vibe like whatever you reckon um and sent her a picture of my dress and yeah her natural talent just took over the rest and i think the same happened with Addie and sarah yeah. and even myself i directed more than i thought i would on the day like but it just flowed really easily yeah between the th- oh my god my voice between the three of us and also you know whoever we were shooting with and other women in the space and just the different ideas that were flowing because we were holding that intention, it all dropped. Mm-hmm. It sounds like that's kind of what happened with, yeah, with your outfit. And totally. Yeah. What you pulled together. Yeah. It just, it came together so beautifully. And I really, like, there was no stress. It was just, it was just perfect. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And like you say, and even with my hair that I wore, it was like, is it going to hold? You know, it was fully. And it did. It was perfect. Like, it just, it was, it was great. And then, um, she, yeah finished off my eyes and um, yeah it was just really beautiful I think it's just a beautiful collective even that morning like Alyssa one of um, so she was um, sister of the tomb she helped me that morning with my eyebrows and like it was just the most beautiful even though like you say it was a bit chaos it was this like sisterhood it was just like this little tribe that of beautifulness you know like everyone um, helped each other and were so supportive and there was no it didn't feel um a lot mm-hmm. it just it felt so grounded in the chaos and um yeah it was it was really great yeah that's really really cool did you have like a ritual or anything that you did in order to download the vision or did you just spontaneously download a bit of both yeah um definitely like I get a lot of downloads randomly like so driving in the car is one of my biggest and quite often I have to like voice record myself as I'm driving along so that I can remember what you know came through so definitely some of that um and then also some intentional like ritual space was created to to really connect in especially closer to the end when it was like okay how is this all going to fit together and and yeah, how am I really gonna become and embody? And um, definitely the demeanor. So my my demeanor more than anything of like anchoring that in. Um, and Alyssa was was um, beautiful enough to give me one pair of swords, and I think that really tied it in as well. So I think for me to like embody that energy um, was a lot more ritual went into it, and then um, the outfit and the external more external stuff was definitely bit more spontaneous yeah and just fit together like even we were looking for cuffs for you and then I just ordered some and I thought I'd ordered some and just one of our left but it just worked it just yeah. made it work so I got me a shoelace that morning <laughs> it was, I'm just like yeah this is this is great it's great 
Oh, so cool. Could you maybe for someone who's listening who I think it's quite common for anyone who's pursuing connection or wanting to connect with their intuition more to have like these spontaneous downloads or to, you know, have moments of inspiration. And I think driving and showering tends to be like these common ones. Definitely. I reckon when you're showering, when you're in a body of water that's moving, there's just like a natural flow of energy that happens. Definitely. And it's like a time where you can't be doing anything else. Yeah. Like unless you're washing your hair or something. But even then it's you're still like you can't be on a computer, you can't be consuming information that much unless you're someone that listens to music or something when you shower but the same thing when you're driving even though you can consume when you're driving I just feel like our bodies are moving at this energy or at this speed that we couldn't naturally move at yeah and so the energy is just like pumping through us I feel like even when you go on a drive with someone yeah you have these conversations and you're like like we've been on a journey yeah and you literally have but you also like energetically together have and that's one thing, and I think people do experience those things. That's why people have long showers after big days or, you know, make effort to get in the ocean to have a dip after a stressful time or whatever's going on. But for someone who's having it spontaneously but would love to bring it about more intentionally and more, like, on demand, could you take us through a little bit of how you go about creating that ritual space to embody it and... Yeah, like a little guide on your process. Yeah, definitely. Um, for me, it's very different depending on the day and the season. The season changes a lot with me. So like in winter, generally my rituals are a lot more indoors, obviously, because, um, you know, it's cold and raining and dark. So, um, yeah, to bring, like I think even touching back on like driving, because driving is definitely one of my biggest, it's like quite often like, go I'm I feel like just going for a drive and like that's when often something's wanting to come through and we don't necessarily always know and understand um, or remember how to allow that to come through and so that's when we get this craving to like have a long shower or go for a drive it's like trying to regulate yourself and, and trying to really align back with with the truth and um, I think for me like if I go rewind back to when I first started to bring intentional intuition to my life, one of my biggest things was definitely the earth. So like grounding into the earth, um, which again is seasonal for me. Like I've, uh, it's um, grown over the time to now I can kind of do it anywhere. But definitely um, barefoot on the earth was really big for me when I first started um, and just really grounding for me and then, being able to sit and when I when I first started to integrate this it was it was just be as simple as sitting and like watching the birds and then um, watching mother earth really grounded to her and Mm. things would start to flow and that was a really easy one for me it felt very natural Um, it's very calming and grounding Uh, and then over time it grew to be a lot more of an intentional space where I um, would sit in, you know, in, maybe in the mornings or, or in the evenings and create an intentional space potentially with scent, um, taking me to different areas depending on where I wanted to journey. Um, and I still use a lot of the foundations. So like a lot of that grounding with Mother Earth and connecting with Mother Earth first mm. and then allowing the channel to come through that way has always felt really powerful to me. Um, and yeah I think when we look around at Mother Earth it's hard not to see beauty Mm. and it can immediately take you back to that space of bliss and that really heart opened space and that really allows you to be that true channel and it also it's just so calming and yeah so that's definitely my foundation yeah that's so cool I think it's really um yeah resonant for everybody at some in some way in some version in their life to be connecting with nature more yeah and it's something that we're seeing like almost trending which is like a weird way to put it because it's like we're just coming home we're just remembering but we have different ways and it's something that I 
teach an extrasensory school or that we focus on an extrasensory school, which is our course where we really focused on opening like our clairvoyant gifts or our clairabilities, we call it. So if you're a seer or a feeler or whatever your, your gifts are, and I'm a firm believer that if we have all of them, we can open to all of them. It's just a matter of choice and actually having the structure and support to get there yeah. because it's not an education that has been normalised, but it is natural yeah. within us. And what I always say, especially in our first term, we have, tri- we have trimesters, so we have like three series of class and um, especially in the first term people come and they're like, some people already have gifts unlocked and they're like running on me and other people are like, I'm just here because I know I have it and I want to access it, but it feels fucking far away and locked away. And I always just say to them, the best way is the easiest way. Mm-hmm. And the easiest way for you is going to be different to the easiest way for me. And so like the easiest way for you, obviously, like anchors in through the earth mm-hmm. and that, that grounds you, that sets you off. And it's funny actually introducing you, which I never plan the intros. I always just connect and I'm like, okay, let's see what comes through. And, I think I said grounded like three times, <laughs> which I didn't anticipate, but here we are. Um, but it's true, like you do have a really grounded sense about you. So it makes sense if that's your natural essence, that that's what you'll gravitate towards and that's where you're going to feel at home. Yeah, um, which is a beautiful parallel, I feel, to Ankara as well, um, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That is really cool. Yeah. What was your, I couldn't help but think of um, our winter solstice ritual. So we get together for the wheel of the year and and because we actually fortunately live in the same area, we can do it together in person. Um, We do rituals online and they're remembering, but I don't know, actually, I was going to say, but it's just better in person. But I just think time and place for both. I love both. Yeah. but anyway, you were here for your, mm-hmm. um, and we did a ritual with like a card spread where you pull like a full spread for each of the eight festivals of the year. Mm-hmm. And when you were sharing about that energy of Ankara and the warrior goddess vibe, I was like, oh, and you picked the sirens and goddess card deck. Yeah. Because we picked the deck each. We're like, we'll, we'll roll there. I asked everyone to bring a deck, but usually when I ask everyone to bring something, it doesn't happen. So I've just got to provide goods. <laughs> So I just throw on my card deck with everyone. Um, yeah, and there's like so much imagery on those cards. I can't remember who go by, but um, that's kind of in that vibe. Yeah, it's definitely. interesting, hey? Yeah, definitely. There's there's a lot of um, similarities, I think, because even with my coach, like working with my coach the last couple of months, it's been really focused on grounding to that that leadership of, of the warrior, really. Mm. And healing um, any traumas and shadow work that comes with that, you know, um, like some people might call it the masculine, like whatever people want to call it, but really having that heart-led leadership that is really the action and the persistence and the determination and the devotion. And I think um, it's been really interesting to see how, there's been so much, like you say, with that card deck and there's been so many things in my life that it's like, wow, this is, this is like on par, this is beautiful. And um, that, was, that was definitely one of them, like just actually having to embody that essence in my own life currently to really um, make stuff happen and to really like in the, in the chapter and the season of my life that I'm right now, it, it really has taken me to embody that energy of Ankara as well to be honest in my own life to to get my own foundational stuff done so it was it's been a really beautiful like symmetry there yeah could you give us some specific or a specific example of where that energy has been waking up in you and how that's been serving you as well definitely so um I think more than anything it's been really getting clear on my direction and my vision uh more than anything like um the last couple of years has been a lot of growth for me the last five years even and I think with that brought a lot of uncertainty because it was like you know the death of that old identity and um there was so much and and it was great to be in that and and I was aware that that was what was needed 
and now it's like oh, I get to I get to create myself now I get to remember who I am I get to become that person and that takes like stepping up and, and being yourself and it takes stepping up and showing up and that consistent action and devotion to to being me and to remembering who I am and not falling back into those old patterns and and just leading from love I think more than anything but doing it in a way that I can be I can action I can be um, you know diligent and consistent and structured and I can be really strong and powerful and soft and you know heart opened and beautiful so I think when I look at like the qualities I wanted to embody in Ankara, they were the qualities I wanted to embody in myself anyway. And so it was like this perfect initiation of myself, which is like literally on par with the book, right, of like that initiation into into that womanhood, into being that um, woman that I, I am. Yeah. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible to watch. And it's something that um, I can't, I'm like referencing every single container we have at the Genius Portal, but whatever. <laughs> not intentional, was not part of my intention whatsoever. But it's actually something that we see and we run a creative mastermind, which I really love calling it a creative mastermind. Because even though we look at business and creativity and financial structures and like monetizing the magic and all that sort of stuff, it's really about creativity and something that happens in that space is like it's an initiation Mm -hmm. and we have people come to that space for different reasons and in different points of their life path and you can tell the people who come to that space having already broken down the fascinator of who they've been or the facade I think that's how you actually say that not fascade it's not running water down a waterfall (laughs) facade like a mask (laughs) 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 Um, but they've already worked with that they've already broken down the mask they've already had as you say those deaths to that identity or who they think they've had to be and so they're already coming home to who they are and so then when they come into a space that's about creativity and opening they're ready to go they're like already a bud and they just need a bloom Mm -hmm. and they just need the structures and like you know the right nutrients to open that up and you see those people fly and it doesn't mean that people that other people can't fly we can't fly from other places but i also see people come and they're like a fully grown rooted tree in an area of their life or in a way that they don't want to be yes they've like turned themselves kind of into the wrong plant and that plant needs to be kind of taken out of the garden and and new soil laid and, and new seeds planted and and that's a whole initiation, like you say, to go through to do that. And and then sometimes people will be like, why am I getting results or why don't I have like a booming business yet? And I'll be like, hang on, you became a whole new person in the last six months. And that's the first and foremost best result. You need to do that. You need to come home to you because then what you create is actually coming from this foundation of you yeah. versus you created something and yeah, maybe you're making money and maybe you're even helping people and maybe there's even a positive impact there, but it doesn't make it your soul calling. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I'm great at that I could help people in that wouldn't fulfill me. Yeah. Or would for a short term because they'd hit some of those validating points, but wouldn't actually over the long term sustain me. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's really cool. To see it feels like you're in that phase, like you've broken down and you've decomposed and you've planted the new seeds. And um, even when our wheel of the year, you know, you're you're in the conception phase of the year. Yeah. And it feels like it is literally where you are. Yeah. In your life. Definitely. Um, yeah. What are you conceiving? Like, what what are you focused on creating? Because we've kind of covered this like broad structure, which I feel like is really helpful because everybody can relate to it. Yeah. But what's there specifically for you? Like, what's the real? Yeah, the next chapter. Yeah. My what what um the next half of the year and I'm planning to birth in um is is definitely so one of like my 
the business structure that's currently being built is called Wakara Virus, which is the sacredness of heaven and earth, right? Mm. And everything that comes with that. Um, so I, I plan to, like, one of the first and foremost is that literally the sacredness of being a human being, like, knowing that we are eternal, magical beings, but having a human experience, um, that's been so profound in, in my life and the last kind of 10 years especially um, and I've journeyed with that a lot and remembering in the human experience that we are spiritual beings but then also remembering as a spiritual being we're choosing to have a human experience so we get to to be in both of those and we get to fully experience both of those and it's not like trying to get from one to the other it's not trying to be a human trying to get to enlightenment you know but it's rather being fully in both and um, that's definitely like my first and foremost um, intention with with birthing Waka of Iris. Um, obviously, I, I do a lot of uh, medicine work, so women's womb work and energy work within women and um, ceremonial work. So I, I did a mentorship with the ceremonialist um, two years ago now. And one of the ceremonies that's really come through for me is um, death. So uh, particularly with, at this point in time anyway, particularly with animals. So that phase in our lives where we do lose the companionship of an animal because obviously their lifespan is not of, of a human being and the stepping stone in their life and um, really creating ceremony to honour that uh, rather than it being, even though it can be, you know, sad and, and heartbreaking, uh, really creating the space for them to know it's exactly what their soul contracted and exactly what our soul contracted um, and really just honouring them in their, in that time. So that's definitely uh, that ceremony. It feels really, yeah, like ceremony just feels really natural to me as I'm sure it does most human beings because it's such a natural state for us. Um, so bringing that ceremony into my own life as well but also being able to share that um, and yeah that that sacredness of of earth and of us and also the humanness behind it that's so cool i've we were actually just talking about this before we pressed record about how i've not really had animals in my life like i had a cat when i was little and it died when i was in pre-primary which puts me at like four maybe and we never got a pet after that because we were so active with sport. We were never home. Like, and our parents used to always say, it would be really cruel if we got an animal. Like, yeah. It would be alone a lot. It would it'd just be cruel. And we didn't understand it because we were children. We were like, yeah, but we want a dog. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but in hindsight, good call, mum and dad. Yeah. One. Um, but, yeah, I haven't really experienced having – I've had, like, friends with pets or aunties and uncles with pets or cousins with pets and pets around me. Um, but I haven't experienced a death of a pet that's like shook me or, yeah. you know, that I felt that intimately connected with beyond Mebo, which was that cat, which was so young for, I can remember it, but also not like, yeah. Um, but I read this post on Instagram recently, a wealth of information in that world, but it was really cool. I can't remember sucks i can't remember who to credit for it and i can't remember the culture that they referenced in the post but i remember the ceremony and it was about death in animals and and how it was like a two-part ceremony so there was like one part where you bury that animal and you create a space in ceremony to release their soul and to let go and to say goodbye so it's like an honoring and a release of this physical expression and a release of what that relationship has been as they go from a physical companion to perhaps a spirit guide or yeah. um, someone that you can still communicate with or feel connected to. Yeah. And the other half of the ceremony was that you choose an object. She was like, I always, it was a woman and, and she was like, I always use like a little statue of that same animal but you don't have to like it could be a bell it could be a bowl it could be anything a vase whatever and you choose an object and you imbue that object with the energy of that being of that companion 
and it becomes just an object that you when you move house you bring them with you and she was like yeah when I move house I like literally walk them around the house and I give them a tour and I'm like we're here now like this is your new space that you can come and offer me guidance and and then they sit just in a special place in my house and I'll talk to them sometimes or I'll connect with them sometimes and yeah I've never done that with an animal but it's really interesting reflecting I've had loss in my family this year and we're kind of on the cusp of another loss in my family and so death's been like a a bigger theme it's been a spiritual theme in my life but it's not been a like tangible physical to spirit theme Mm. as much yeah um and I lost my grandma last year and an uncle and for both of them like I have a photo of each of them, but I also just have a candle that represents each of them. And if I'm feeling a calling to connect with either of them, I'll go light that candle and I'll sit with it. And so without intentionally having this ritual that this woman was talking about or the ceremony of, you know, the release, but also the the embodiment here or the representation here, I have been doing that. But um That's really beautiful. Yeah. I had um I feel like sharing, I had a, uh, like a meditation um, with my coach actually a couple of weeks ago now. And about six years ago, I lost my horse. Um, and like fairly unexpectedly, fairly quick. You know, I was certainly not in the aware space that I am now. So it really shook me. Um, and I, it took me a long, a long, long time through grief. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, we, we had this meditation and I felt so clearly his presence come in. It's the first time I've allowed it at all since he died. So I have not even allowed myself to connect with that essence. We named my dog after him. So Tyson was his name and we named our dog Tyson because we got him just a couple of weeks after he, my horse Tyson uh, passed away. And um, I felt you know, that connection for some reason, but I never actually allowed myself to go there. And I didn't even realise that I hadn't allowed myself to go there until a couple of weeks ago. And he came through in this meditation. And just as a guy, like, just literally there, kind of walking alongside me, you know, it was just like, yeah, just the presence, you know. There was not really anything that he needed to share with me. There was no guidance as such. It was purely just a presence of, of love, like, mm-hmm. and um, And I think it's really beautiful if we can remember that just because their physical presence is gone, same as people, they can still impact our lives and they can still share our lives with us. Um, And it's only that that physical presence that that may be gone, but we can, the connection doesn't change, right? Like the love doesn't change, nothing changes um, apart from them, you know, not physically in front of you. So I think it's a beautiful transition and, and it really marks the time when, um, death really marks the time when, when they're ready for that expansion, like the greatest expansion. And when you start to understand that it was contracted prior to you coming here anyway, you can really start to actually be in it for how vulnerably beautiful it is and not mm-hmm. be all consumed by, by the heartbreak and by the loss and rather remembering what you get to gain from it as well. Um, yeah, so there's beautiful lessons in it, I think, and um, the the power in not having ownership over an animal but choosing to, to share a lot of your life with that animal is really beautiful, I think. And it's a completely different connection when there's no communication in the sense that society would deem communication, right? Mm-hmm. And you really have to, so much of it is intuitive and so much of it is in depth that are so different to what a human would normally experience. Um, and there's a real sacredness to that in itself and to get to witness their journey as well. So, you know, just like humans and just like children, they do still have a purpose in the journey, whether they're a wild animal or a bird or a dog, or it doesn't matter. So interesting with a horse. I feel like that's so next level as a connection. Like I'm just even imagining you know I know we've got dogs and cats or like household pets you're with them every day they're a member of your family and yeah circumstances depending you can still be with a horse every day but just even like the vulnerability and the trust of you get on that animal or it's like it's 
yeah, you ride that animal if you do, or even being around a horse, like they're so powerful, they're so strong, they're so if they wanted to, they could like crush you. Yeah. It's such a they just have I don't mean that maliciously, but just there's like this deep level of connection and it's so interesting, like horse people, I feel like that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> especially if you've grown up around them or yeah, yeah. you've grown into a relationship with them yeah like you just know your horses and you just know whether they're in an okay mood to ride or whether it's cool to push them today or whether it's not a good idea to push them today or whether you should brush them in that area today because they need it or whether not because they really hate it and today then maybe they're going to react to it and it's so interesting my um well you know at least but um, my brother's partner, my sister, she would still like be out in the paddock with her horse, not riding in, but out with him. She's like at term pregnant. And we'd be like, are you okay? Do you want us to do that? Even though like I'm, I'm nervous around horses. I've never really spent quality time with horses and I love them. And I have this like awe and respect for them. It's kind of like the ocean for me, like the deep, mm-hmm. deep ocean. I respect it and i'll watch videos of it but i do not want to be in one of those tiny ships going over those huge motherfucking waves like that freaks me out and it's kind of how i feel like with the horses like they're beautiful and i will sit at luke's place my brother's place and see them galloping around in the paddock and they're majestic like they're stunning creatures but when i walk in the paddock with it i'm like they look at me like they're okay (laughs) There's definitely a different relationship with prey and predator. So, mm-hmm. like, we're obviously a predator and so are dogs and the majority of the domestic animals that we have chosen to live with, whereas when you get literally a predator being humans with a prey animal, it's so against natural instinct for them mm-hmm. and it's really, like, it's something that we shouldn't take for granted. And it's definitely a different connection completely. Like, um, yeah, there's this real... Um, you have to have respect, you know, because it's like, like you say, they are so big and powerful and they're choosing to surrender to, to you as a human really um, in quite quite a big aspect, whereas they could literally just kind of push you to the side. Um, so it's really, I don't know, you, f- you feel, it's very freeing, I think, um, to be able to, to build that connection and the level of trust mm. and then to be able to intuitively um, connect is, different again you know so not not necessarily just we ride them or or whatever it is you know they're not a used object or a used animal but rather a partnership that you can can have and experience and yeah it's really powerful like I remember um with a horse that I lost like there was a time when I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like something's wrong something's wrong with him and like I went outside and he sure enough like he had injured himself and like you can build that depth with um, prey animals the same as you can with a predator to predator, but there has to be a deeper level of trust I feel because you're literally a threat. Like naturally, you are a threat to them. So um, to get there and achieve it is a whole nother level of fulfillment. I think it totally reminds me of Avatar and how yeah. with their animals that they. I don't know the right word, but they partner with them and they like connect to them. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that. And it's yeah. it's like they yeah, they have that moment where they like conquer or they connect. And it's it's not like a domination, I don't feel. I feel like it's like a deep bow of reverence of like, okay, I can respect you. Like yeah. you can meet me there. That's what it feels like. And then you see that in people who have powerful relationships with horses as well it's like yeah yeah it's like that i see you right that they use it's it's literally it's that so cool we recently well nearly a year ago now wow but we went to america and we did claire and i we did two different horse riding experiences when we were there because it's been a real i guess love like a, a wanting love for claire to to connect with the horse and to connect with the keep saying cowboy I don't really vibe with cowgirl I don't know I don't like it but anyway to connect with that like aspect within and also just with that animal like it's a animal that really calls to her 
Yeah. And I, it always actually has pulled to me. Like as a kid, I used to draw and paint horses all the time. Yeah. Um, and but just we weren't in a position to have them nearby. We didn't like naturally have them in our family or anything. So I never developed that relationship. Yeah. And then I got more into that. Like I'm scared of you because I don't know how to connect here. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so we went on these two horse riding experiences and one was interestingly, the first one was like in the mountains of Yosemite, just outside of Yosemite. And it was this beautiful multi-generational farm led by women. And I don't know really not the right word. Um, what do you call it when it's like a place with lots of horses? Is it a farm? It still could be a farm. In America, I think it's normally ranches over there. Right. Think, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If I'm ranch. correct. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, we're at this ranch in the mountains and they were so reverent for their animals. They were so communicating this like, you know, you've got to, like she's doing that because you've been speaking to her. You've got to speak to her. And it was weird because it's kind of like, as they were teaching us to ride them and, and you kick them or like you squeeze them. Yeah. And so to me, it was kind of intuitive to kick an animal. I was like, it was hard. Yeah. And they were like, no, you're not hurting them. Like think how tiny you are. Like does your, does a baby when it like stretches its arm out, does it hurt you? Like maybe if it's in the wrong spot, but like, <laughs> no, yeah. Um, you're communicating. You've got to communicate. If you're not communicating, they're going to, have a mind of their own because they do and they're going to do their own thing um and we, we did like a little practice walks and practice communicating with them it was really cool and so then when we went on the walk they were like okay you don't need to do any of that because they're trained on this walk and they're just going to go along the path but now you can if you need to mm-hmm. and for example they were like if they bend over and try to eat some of the plants some of the plants here will make them sick so if they do that could you communicate with them like this so that they stop and that's you helping them because they're just going to try and eat everything right yeah um so it was really cool so we were empowered in the communication we were connected with our animal we were told the name of them and and they were like we're just going to call you the name of them and so you're one of them and you know it was obviously easier for them as well they know the name of the horses but um it was also connecting because it was like oh yeah me and me and this horse i can't remember her name now um but i think it was Maisie. i think mum was Maisie. Anyway, it was really connecting. And then we had a really beautiful experience and the ride was easy. And even though I was really nervous at the start, I calmed down through that sense of connection. Mm. And then the ride itself was fine. And we were going through these like rocky water things and up and down. And so it was in my fear brain, treacherous environment, <laughs> not safe. But in my heart and in that connection, yeah. it was so beautiful. Yeah, And then we went, a different place which was in Hollywood and we were riding the Hollywood sign um, which was really cool but it was very different they they did the same thing as and they called us after the the horse but they just like didn't tell us really anything plonked us on a horse and then you had to sit there on the horse and wait for everyone to get on the horse meanwhile I was like trying to remember it'd been a couple weeks since the other thing the other lesson that we did and I'm like a, when I do things a couple of times, I'll learn really fast and I'll get it, but I need to do it without having too much of a break in between. Otherwise it's yeah. like doing it for the first time again. Yeah. Don't really remember. And I was like, that. I could remember pulling the reins and I was like, don't kick the horse. <laughs> like I don't want to run away right now. could remember a couple of things, but not, not heaps. And I was nervous. I wasn't confident with the animal. And this time I was on a male horse, which I just had more energy and, um, he actually, I don't know the right word, but he like reared when I was on him. Like he bit another horse in the ass and then reared. And I was like <laughs> flailing. It was terrifying. And the person, this was before the ride started. So we were just waiting for everyone <laughs> to get on these horses. Um, and they didn't tell us that anything like that would happen. Or I was like, what just happened? Um, and the person there was just like, we shouldn't let them get too close. And I was like, I didn't know that. Like, you should teach me some yeah. things. Like, this is yeah. it was terrifying. And then we had to walk, um, like, where the Hollywood sign is. It's like a valley and cliff. And we're on the edge 
Like if this is the cliff edge, the horse's foot's like here. It was terrifying. Oh and I was just scared the whole time. I totally lost faith in the horse. I was, and, and also with instructors. Yeah. I was like, you didn't even do anything or even yeah. like question. If, you didn't even ask me if I was okay afterwards or yeah. do I want to swap horse or, or like tell me, oh, this happened because of that. Yeah. Like they like scolded me. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of being in school when a teacher like supports your learning or crushes you. Yeah. And yeah. you feel safe to be vulnerable and ask questions or you stop asking that teacher questions. Yeah. It was like that. And then I was so in such a freeze response the entire time that I didn't even see the sign. Apparently we walked past it a couple of times. <laughs> see it. And I was like, that's what we were here for. It's like Claire was like aware that I was not having the greatest time, but also she's powerful and she was having a great time and she was connected to her horse and yeah. and also focused on her own experience because she was obviously still uncomfortable with the cliff and yeah. Whatever. So um but yeah, I was like, I'm gonna die. We're gonna roll down there and I <laughs> did not look up. There was no looking up. And then when people came past, I was like, Don't get too close to me, like <laughs> attack you. Um, it was horrible, but yeah, such a such a clear oh, wow. example. Yeah. yeah, such a clear example of like reverence yeah. and then really lacking reverence. Yeah, and also like the women in that first ranch were like a family. Yeah, even though they were friends, and but there was like a mother daughter at the core of the team, and then they just all felt like a family. Yeah, and this place was like they're volunteers; they don't get paid if you don't tip them, and it really felt like that transactional business like I don't get anything for being here so don't be an idiot and the animal won't do that mm. it's like what's being an idiot like yeah, that yeah 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 it was um it was irreverent and so it was yeah really interesting and interesting and it creates such a different experience right you know like and you being able to learn and, and feel that connection versus you not even feeling safe enough to be able to explore that and experience that and create such a different experience and where a lot of people misunderstand that horses are scary from Mm -hmm. and I think as well because sometimes we forget that we might be scared of them but they're equally as scared as humans at least initially Mm -hmm. you know at least they initially have more of a fear because they think we literally will kill them because that's instinct um so then to experience the trust that has to be formed to be able to even touch a horse and so that really, in a way, being taken away from me because the space isn't held and safe to be able to experience that. Yeah, it was so interesting. And then when we came back here, my voice is croaky because I'm scared. <laughs> we came back here and for Claire's birthday, she just wanted to go horse riding again. And I was like, no. <laughs> it was so scary and stressful. But I was like, okay, like we're in a different place. You know, we had two different experiences. And in my mind, I was like, if it's like that first one, I could do it all the time. Like, yeah. it was beautiful. Yeah. If it's like the second one, I never want to do it again. Like, no way. Um, and we went to Jess's flats and they were great. And they were so, like, connecting. And I even said to them, I'm nervous. Like, my last experience was really not great. Um, and they put me on a chill horse. I think they give like the kids the chillest horse and then they go who's scared and then they give you the next chill horse yeah yeah um and that's I assume that's what happened but it was still amazing watching my nervous system and I'm so thankful to actually be aware of it to even notice but he would like they said that my horse that I was on I can't remember his name but they were like oh he just just loves knocking over water bottles so he's just kind of walk up to the water bottles and knock them over like he thinks it's really fun um but he's not going to do anything but in my mind, I was like, no, it's going to knock over the water bottle and then it's going to hit his leg and then I'm going to be real again. <laughs> it's so dramatic. Um, and so the whole time I was like, and I was scared that he'd get too close to another horse's bum and like bite it. And then, because that's kind of how the, the last one happened. So I was really judging him off this other horse. So poor guy. But yeah, it's so, it's just so interesting how it like stays with you. And then I was like, in an environment where actually if I connected to that environment, I felt completely safe. Yeah. And yet my nervous system was telling me a different story. Last experience, yeah. 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 And I guess that's the work that we do, right? Exactly. Literally, that is the work, yeah. 
Yeah. How do we get our nervous system to be here? Because yeah. <laughs> it's so often not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that the topic of death and even the animals um, is like so in Ankara's experience. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of death in her experience. And, and I think only the snake bait chapter in the first book shows her needing a spirit guide. But that is really in the second book and beyond. So I'm excited for you to read it. Yeah. It's got that animal part. But yeah, the more that we talk, the more I'm like, oh, maybe you are in car. <laughs> <laughs> maybe and I can make all those years ago. Yeah, maybe I'm just speaking to you from a distance. No, it's really cool. Yeah, definitely. And like I say, it just it felt really natural for me. So I I feel like it was just so normal and um, a part of me like mm. there wasn't really a difference there so it was very easy in a lot of ways and a lot of fun like still obviously very nervous initially I was you know quite um how am I gonna you know what's this gonna look like and be mm. like and and feel like and um and such a big part I think because like you touched on earlier like we haven't really known each other that long and so it was like I haven't experienced um a lot of your creations in action you know like mm. and been around for a lot apart from you know beautiful rituals and stuff that you have um held but like this was such a big um vision you have and you were birthing and, and I wanted to to honor you in that and also um I suppose I wanted to to play the role in the, in how you envisioned it as well mm. um and so it was I feel like it was building a lot deeper trust between us because you just so beautifully held space for me to just express it how I felt Mm -hmm. there was you didn't put expectation on there was just like this deep you just knew that it was going to be exactly how it was supposed to be and there was just love and you were just like you do you like you you get to be it you get to embody it you get to to feel Mm -hmm. into it and create it and you really made me feel like we were co-creating which is what we were doing anyway but to actually feel like that I didn't feel like there was any it has to be this way mm. um, and it was a really beautiful space to be a part of and I think especially when a lot of people can take control and go you know I'm creating this so this is how I want things mm. as opposed to we are collaborating and we are all in co-creation together and it created something so much more magic yeah it's so cool it's definitely a learning curve that I've developed it's like that same thing that I mentioned earlier like if I am confident that you have a genius, that you've got gifts, that you've got a heart, that you've got this power and magic that's going to come through you, all I've got to do is go, hey, you're magic, remember? Yeah. And then you've got it. And I definitely used to, like if I flash back to the first circles that I ran, women's circles, I'd be like, oh, my God, the cards are not in a symmetric circle. Like, fix it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's like, actually, we're going to mess it up anyway. It doesn't fucking matter. And, um I'm so much more relaxed now and really I was just in this fear that it was going to go wrong and that it was going to be like setting the space up incorrectly now I know that it's not about those details it's about the energy and if I can just come with love it's really it's it's not even easy it's fun yeah it was so much fun it was and I feel like yeah I never understood yeah in that they had their moment and we had our like our group photo moments and it just was really good it was really really cool it flowed so beautifully like Addie and Sarah were amazing yeah and Addie was 100% in her genius wasn't she yeah just like the flow and the constant inspiration and creativity it was it was amazing to witness yeah so cool so so cool I have a couple questions for you one is and I know that you haven't heard the Ankara song yet, <laughs> which is being finished recorded this week, so you'll be able to hear it soon. Um, but you've heard a lot of the songs. You've heard most of the songs. Yeah. What's your favourite song on the album so far? Oh, that's a hard one. I think I think it's the Mermaid song. Mm. Uh, that's a really hard question because they're so like they hit different parts of me you know and they're so they take you to different places 
yeah, I, I definitely think it's a really hard one to pick and I love all the ones I've heard so far and I'm sure Ankara will probably be my favourite. But um, I think I would have to say the Mermaid Song because there's just a, a depth in, in the waters and like you were saying earlier, how the ocean and the depth of the ocean is that like really awful, um, awful, not awful, powerful fear. That it brings, like, you know that you're in awe of it, but there's a little bit of, you're a bit scared. And so mm. I feel like I, I definitely relate to that. And um, so I think the depth it brings with, with the mermaids and the depth of the ocean, it, I don't know, it just sings to me. But I love them all. And, yeah, they're all so beautiful. And I haven't heard all of your songs yet, but... It's really hard to have to choose one. That's a fun question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. I have one more question. What gift do you feel like you received from embodying Ankara or from being the muse in that shoot? Like if it was like a particular energy or like a particular, like a word or something that you felt open up in you in that experience. I feel like it was um, that warrior, that warrior goddess Mm. can be so strong and so gentle. Mm. Um, Yeah, like there's there's a bit of a, you know, old belief of mine that is like if you're strong and, and powerful, then you're not really in your true feminine and you're not really soft and gentle and open and and surrendered. And I I think it was so fun to get to embody both with mm-hmm. that Ankara um, embodiment. I think it was really lovely. Like, definitely my biggest, my biggest lesson, my biggest gift. Mm. I love the photos. I feel that in the photos yeah. actually. Yeah, we've only seen the first kind of couple sneak peek photos, but yeah, I'm so excited to see the rest. The photos are just beautiful. Like they're so, they've just captured perfectly like it takes you into a different times yeah know? like you, you it feels like you're in a, its own little world I really it's just beautiful yeah sorry to cut you off then I really um I really love the we do a group photo that I don't want to overly describe but there's a photo where you and I standing next to each other and I just feel like you could chop everybody else out and then there's like me in this like Victorian time bubble and you in this like warrior adventure other realm bubble and we could just be like where are they from what's going on but i just love that we're next to each other yeah i think it looks so cool so awesome Mm. (laughs) okay i'm gonna ask for you to let us know for anyone who has really resonated with you and just really connects with you how can they connect with you further how can they work with you or i think seems like your offerings are unraveling and shifting and changing but how's just the best way to connect with you uh i would say definitely instagram so um at the the dot rebecca dot rose um and huaka of iris is slowly birthing its own instagram and eventually website but still definitely in the creation of that yeah awesome cool i'll make sure that your instagram's in the show notes and yeah when you're website's ready we can always pop it down there yeah. so if you're listening yeah. to this in the far far future <laughs> well maybe not that far actually yeah, creativity true. works in weird true. mysterious and wonderful ways but Lightning um, speed. if there's been a bit of time since you've seen this release have a look at my show notes because there might be a website there which is magic um but yeah thank you so much for your time for your heart for sharing for just your willingness like there was no um like we kind of touched on, like it felt vulnerable asking you because our friendship's like budding. Mm. And I was like, oh, it feels like a big ask, but I couldn't not. Like it was so true, it was so there. Um, but it was so beautiful to be met by just your willingness and your excitement. And I could feel the reverence and that you held it as an honour. Yeah. And it just made it so easy. And I, I agree, like I just feel like, it's just created this depth and I love you a lot. I really appreciate you. Thanks for supporting my art and being yourself and sharing your heart with us and 
thank you. Thank you for having me and thank you for letting me witness you and your genius. And yeah, I loved it and I love you more. So <laughs> that's rude. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you for listening to this special episode as part of the Temple Calling album series. My entire album is set to drop on November 10th, 2023. However, the first single, Temple of Lilith, will be out on all platforms on September 1st. If you resonated with this episode, check out the rest of the series on the Genius Portal podcast. And if you're vibing a random act of kindness today, please pre-save the upcoming release on your favorite streaming platform via the link in the show notes. Thank you so much. I love you. Have a magical day.